Hey, man, I need a fix. I need a fix bad. So you need a fix, huh? Oh, God, man, I need a bad. Look me up. I got your fix. I got your fix right here. Jeep Junkies, we know you're jonesing for a midweek fix, so we're going to hook you up with a little midweek XJ Talk Show to tide you over. Hi, tonight we have Dan, Jeep in Idaho from XJTalk.com and uh, host of the 4x4 podcast. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining us tonight and doing this interview. Hey, my pleasure. Any chance I get to uh, sit down with somebody and talk about Jeeps, is uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, interesting. Interestingly, I found out today that uh, Dan is uh, in the army and he's out in the Mojave Desert right now, talking on his cell phone through Skype. So if it sounds a little funky, it actually sounds a lot better than it would be if it was a cell call. And uh, uh, Dan's going the extra mile to do this interview with us, so I'm I'm uh, very happy that uh, he's able to do that. Uh, first off, Dan, is it hot out there? You know, it's actually, it's been a very nice day. Today, I think it may have just barely broke 90 degrees. Um, usually, like two days ago, I was getting a, a nice hot wind. Uh, <laughs> I, call, I call that the blow dryer. <laughs> yeah, it's like sticking your, he- your head in front of a, a blow dryer. That's really all it is. You can't even cool off. Yeah. But now, I think it's cooled off to about 80 degrees, 82 feels nice well you know it's it's the differences that you notice uh, <laughs> if it's like yes. three inches from the surface of the sun and now it's 80 then you know you're thankful for what you can get yeah a week and a half ago is like 115 out here so this is a, a welcome change so dan i recently became aware of uh, of your podcast i was uh uh looking around through i think i was uh i think i actually saw it on on beyond uh beyond pod uh the little application i was doing searches for things and I went, wow! Okay. Look at look at this. It's a uh, a four by four podcast, and I added it and uh, uh, started listening. And then uh, I th- can't remember. I think I saw you on Facebook, and uh, you were amenable to doing a uh, an interview. We want to do a little uh, cross uh, podcast pollination, so to speak. And I yeah. uh, thought that was great. Uh, it was wonderful to run across somebody that was uh, doing basically the same thing I was doing. Although your show is more of a a wide range, uh, and as by the name, four by four, which covers a lot of ground, whereas we uh, kind of focus on just the uh, the Jeep Cherokee here. So, uh, how did you get started with that? Well, uh, I've been I at the time I was living in South Korea. Uh, my army duties had taken me over there, and I was there for three years. And after about two years, I got tired of being disconnected from my Jeep and from the off roading community. So I decided, you know what, I've been thinking about starting a podcast. I listen to a ton of them, and I know that uh, once I get back to the United States, I'd appreciate being able to listen to an off-roading and adventure travel type podcast uh, as I'm driving across the country for whatever it is that I'm doing. And uh, I figure I'm probably not the only one. So I went ahead and put together uh, the 4x4 podcast and got my brother on to co-host it. And since then, it's been just a, a great adventure meeting all kinds of great people uh, met a lot of great people in the industry and a lot of great manufacturers sharing their their products and it's just been a, a great time we just just crossed the one year anniversary so it's been a lot of fun 
That's great. And uh, you mentioned adventure a couple of times there. And, and gee whiz, if I was in South Korea, <laughs> it certainly <laughs> would go under the heading of uh, of adventure to me. Now, uh, you, you said you're away from the 4 by 4 and whatnot. Isn't there uh, like a, an H1 or something you can take out across uh, uh, North Korea? I mean, being very careful not to, to wander into yeah. s- uh, I'm in South Korea. I uh, didn't want to wander into North Korea, but uh, surely there's something you can do out there in South Korea, isn't there? Oh, yes. Uh, now, not with my vehicle, but you're right. At the time, I was uh, in command, so I had access to a lot of military vehicles. And if you actually go to the 4x4podcast.com, uh, under the one of the menus is my little profile and tells a little bit about me. And there's some videos of doing some off-road driver training and mounted land navigation type things. And you know, you can see kind of what off-roading is like in a real military vehicle instead of just the, the derivative Jeeps that we drive around today. Now, that's one vehicle that, uh, as far as a Hummer goes, that I've never made, made fun of is the military Hummer. Because to me, uh, that is uh, a hell of an off-road vehicle. What, what, what's your estimation of it? Well, you know, it's, it's really good. Um, but it's just like any other off-road vehicle. It, it depends on the driver. Uh, in the hands of a really good driver, you can do some just phenomenal things with that Humvee. Uh, but in a, the hands of a new soldier that doesn't know what they're doing, doesn't know how to do left foot braking, how to actually engage the uh, the lockers that are in the vehicle, you know, it all comes down to the driver. So, well, it certainly is a very unique looking vehicle, uh, unlike the uh, the H2. Now, I kind of like the H3. It's it's kind of Cherokee looking, but um, yep. it's still got some issues with visibility. It's got a real high belt line. That's uh, that's how it is with a lot of the newer off-road vehicles, like the FJ Cruiser. That has the same issue. You know, it's just limited visibility. And the same thing with a Humvee, military Humvee. Man, unless you've got the doors off, you can't see anything out the back. Well, would part of that be just to protect the uh, the soldier inside, or is it just the way it's designed? Uh, I think it's just kind of the way it's designed. There's really no consideration of creature comfort or anything like that. Um, it was very utilitarian. And there's 20 or 30 different variants of the Humvee now. And the newer ones that are actually up-armored, yeah, the visibility is an issue because you're covered in armor. But even the, the older ones, you know, if you take the top off, the doors off, it's still pretty limited just because of the, the way it's designed. And how is it approaching uh, obstacles in the uh, the Humvee with the uh, 50 caliber on top? I would think that would make make it make you feel a little bit better because if if it really messes it up, you can always uh, take the gun, the main gun to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can do a lot of damage with the 50 cal. <laughs> do you get to do the de- depleted uh, uranium rounds, or is it just your standard uh, big ass bullet? You know, mostly it's just the big lead round. You know, the uh, depleted uranium ones are kind of rare, the armor piercing, but... Uh, well, I guess you know, you, I guess in, in South Korea, you really don't want to be firing off guns that, <laughs> that much. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> and, you know, one of the funny thing is, a lot of people don't know, a lot of the training areas are very close to the DMZ. And, you know, I've been on some ranges where you can stand on top of a hill and see the, the markers for the military demarcation line. So you're that close, and some of the ranges you can't even fire live 50 cal rounds because of the range. It just takes one ricochet, and it's gone over the border, and you've created an international incident. Right. 
you know so what they'll do they have plastic 50 cal bullets okay so the range is limited because it's a real light round and it's very inaccurate but i guess it still gets the the feel of firing around yeah i would imagine that's uh, quite a jolt uh from the just the sound and uh, the the uh, bass type stuff hitting your chest so i could uh, it would be to me it would be a little nerve-wracking at least at first just uh being that close to that much danger because you don't you never know when the when it's going to hit the fan and uh, yeah i kind of stopped thinking about it after you know well you get used after to having it. deployed it yeah to actual you, combat areas where i know i'm being shot at yeah, I'm sure it's like anything. You just uh, you just accept the way it is, and you're okay now, and you'll probably be okay later. And if not, you'll just deal with it as the situation comes up. It, we all deal with things that uh, as best we can uh, in stressful situations. So yeah, and, and as I and as I told you, and as I told you in the email, I, I did want to thank you very much for your service to the country. It's very important to me. I uh, I was a kid uh, during the Vietnam War, and I never agreed then or now how they were treated and uh, i'm glad to see that um uh, both political parties are are trying to treat our soldiers um at least in at least verbally they're trying to treat them right i don't necessarily think that cutting uh military funding and stuff is a good thing but there you go yeah uh, it is totally my pleasure i really enjoy my job you know despite you know being sent out to the middle of the desert for however long there's still a lot of fun to be had uh talking to my sister on facebook you know you me a, a humvee with a full tank of gas and a little bit of time to explore i'll have a ton of fun out here in the desert yep on the uh and on the taxpayer's dime too not like yep. you're uh, not like you're not earning it or anything i want to indicate that but <laughs> uh that's pretty cool there's lots of lots of good training to be had yeah there you go so uh, tell us about your uh, Jeep Cherokee, because you're not just a, a Humvee driver. Uh, you're also a Cherokee owner, an operator. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really fond of the Jeep Cherokee. I, I got my first one in 2000. It was a 1990 and drove it up to college from Colorado Springs up to Idaho and put a lot of miles on it. Uh, had it for a number of years and then finally graduated college and uh, drove it from Idaho, made a cross-country trip, and this was really kind of phenomenal. I went to Northern California, down through Southern California, to Phoenix, to Houston, up to Colorado Springs, back down to Houston or Dallas, and then all the way across the United States through Alabama, and then up to Baltimore, Maryland. And I put about 6,000 miles on the Jeep in about two weeks' time, and it just kind of finally gave up. Uh, <laughs> It flipped the head over it, or flipped the cylinder head over inside the cylinder and shot the piston rod out the side of the engine. And oh, crap, no. Dumped oil all over the place, and it was just, that was it. It gave up. So I was in the market for a new Jeep, and uh, just for fun, I was looking on eBay one night, and uh, I found the Jeep that I have now, and there was a guy about two hours south of where I was, uh, was selling it for... Less than he spent on the parts, uh, and he was a kind of a spoiled kid. His dad just paid for all the parts to be installed at a professional shop. So, when I bought my 1990 uh, Jeep Cherokee Sport, the two door, it already had an eight inch Skyjacker lift with 35 inch uh, BFG mud tires, had the chromoly axle shafts with 456 gears, 
ox lockers front and rear. Uh, I've got the ARB bull bar on the front, uh, Drango 4x4 bumper on the back side. And uh, I think that's all the mods that were done to it when I got it. But that's certainly not a short list. No, it's not. I mean, you you could have done uh, said two of those, and it would have been a big deal. Um, yeah. My I, gosh, I that's just, that's just got to be horrible. Uh, I mean, it's great great news for you, but that's just got to be horrible for the for the dad. And I can't help but think that that kid, uh, sometime in the future, is going to look back on that and go, "What the hell was I thinking?" Yeah. Well, I think they did it a little bit together as a project. Just and they didn't do any of the wrench time themselves, but you know, just shared in the build-up process, I guess, together. And then they wanted to start a new project, so they sold it off for, I bought it for 10000 and I, I totaled up all the parts, and they were just recently installed. It was still nearly brand new, and I got it. And it was, I think he spent 12 just on parts, not even counting the labor. So I picked it up for nothing, and it's been serving me well since 2004. Like, uh, on your on your ninety, uh, the the one that gave up on you. What size tires were you running on it? You know, I was running thirty. You see, the thirty ones or thirty twos. And it was a standard, uh, probably three fifty five gears on your uh, your differentials. Yep, yep, three fifty fives. I had a three inch uh, Rusty's lift kit that I actually. It's funny. I was on another. It was one of the Yahoo groups. Um. There was a guy down in Albuquerque, so I drove down from Colorado Springs. We met in the middle, and I bought his used lift. He had three-inch uh, leaf springs and three-inch coils, and I bought them for 80 bucks. used lift kit. Uh, went home, and it took me about a five, six hours to swap the springs and everything. And it ran great. You know, I, After a while, I started getting a little bit of uh, drive shaft vibration because I didn't uh, correct the pinion angle. Um, so that caused a little bit of problems, but I didn't get a full three inches of lift out of the rear springs because they are, you know, used and already starting to sag, but it was great. Uh, kind of a starter. That was my first Jeep, my first lift and everything. Yep. It's kind of what got me into it more. Yeah. You can, you learn a lot, uh, whenever you get out there and start doing those things. So, uh, did you notice a big difference between, uh, the 355s and the 456 gears? Oh yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even I, with thirty-five inch tires, you you have to notice it. Those three fifty-five on on thirty twos, especially going over just minimal overpasses on the highway, is uh, gets to be very interesting. And, yeah, you uh, got to sh- downshift right away. Yep. But and, you know, even with thirty fives and four fifty six gears, I can run down the highway seventy miles an hour, and it's about twenty five hundred RPMs. Yeah, I that's another reason why I was kind of thinking about doing the 35s was to get my RPMs back in in line cuz if I do 80 with my uh 33 inch tires but do 80 on the with the 456 gears I'm I'm turning 3000 RPM. Yeah. It's not real great for the gas mileage. No, no it's not, but it's um it it's very peppy. It it's more like it was whenever I first got it. Now uh, oh, yeah. Here, here in the next uh, couple of days, I'll be changing out the uh, the engine uh, with a, a four point one liter. It's not a stroker, just uh, sixty over. Somebody did the calculation for me on XJ Talk, and uh, it's uh, going to be about a four point one uh, liter uh, uh, Jeep engine. And uh, Matt and I are going to be uh, 
uh, at his shop in Conroe this Friday swapping that out. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what it's going to be like with a fresh engine because the, uh, I, I probably had, um, oh, 110,000 miles, uh, whenever we put the 456 gears in there. So, uh, okay. it'll be interesting with a little extra horsepower and a, a much fresher engine to see what it's going to be like. Yeah. You have to make sure you capture all the stats for before and then after. Yeah, well, it, it, I've got the gas mileage information. Uh, I've I've been collecting gas mileage information since before the 456 gears were uh, were installed, and and actually that was the main reason for doing it, uh, but for putting the gears in because I was told that that would make a a big difference, and it it jumped me. It it gave me about a two mile per hour um, mile per gallon <laughs> bump. So uh, That's pretty uh, good. Yeah, of all the things that I've done to it, uh, to trying to fix some of the uh, uh, gas mileage issues. That was the biggest thing, but I'm still. Uh, if I see 12 miles per gallon, that's rare. Oh wow! Yeah, so uh, I don't know why it's that way. Uh, I don't think it should be based on the other things that I've uh, I've heard. Have you ever done uh, good uh, uh, mile per gallon calculations on yours? Yeah, I keep pretty close track of that. Um, I usually get between 200 and. 260 and 280 miles on a tank i think comes out to about 13 and a half 14 miles per gallon but yeah. i end up driving to and from work down state highways usually doing about 55 so yeah but i've got a, the five-speed manual so i can get into a top gear pretty quick uh that's just, yeah that makes a big difference yeah i love having that manual transmission yeah, I hear uh, whenever I went to get mine, I bought mine brand new, and uh, I was looking at it. It was the right color and all that, and I said, uh, this is nice. Uh, it was on the showroom floor, and I said, this is nice, but do you have one uh, that's a standard? Because in my mind, a uh, a 4x4 four four should be a standard, and, and they the salesman looked at each other and go, well, they, make, uh, they do make them with uh, standard transmissions, but we'd have to order you one from the factory. Oh yeah, you know the standard thing they tell you whenever they don't want to get you something, they want to sell you what you what they have. Yep, they want you to take what's on the lot. Yeah, and another reason I was looking at uh, standard was uh, my wife and I were actually there to uh, make the decision on a uh, on a Wrangler, a ninety eight TJ, and uh, we had uh, two young children uh, at the time, three and four years old, and I saw the uh, 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 the red Cherokee there on the showroom floor, and I thought. You know, we could drive this. It's four doors. It's still a four-wheel drive, and uh, we could get the, uh, the the TJ later. So uh, we we finally did get that TJ later, much, much later, uh, <laughs> earlier this year. So uh, and my wife is driving that one. So we um, uh, we have the, the TJ, the 98 uh, uh, Cherokee, which, uh, which we had bought new then, and uh, – um, Shortly before, I guess maybe six months prior to getting the TJ, I, uh, I found the 99XJ, and uh, my oldest daughter is driving that one now. So we are a three Jeep family. That's awesome. I'm sure the uh, the neighbors think we're crazy. <laughs> I know, and I'm a, a two SUV family. When uh, my second daughter was getting ready to be born, we realized at the time I'd bought a, a FJ Cruiser for my wife right the very first year in 07 when it was released um, because I was getting ready to deploy. The vehicle we had was a Chevy 
or it was GMC uh, Yukon. It was getting close to 100,000 miles, and I didn't want my wife to have any issues uh, during the supposedly year while I was gone, which turned into 15 months. So, so you know what? We'll just go ahead and get you a new car. Got the FJ Cruiser, and uh, then we had to get a second vehicle or a different vehicle because the FJ Cruiser doesn't really fit two car seats in the back. Really? So, That's interesting. I would thought I would have thought it would. Yeah, there's the way it's the back seat is arranged. The uh, the middle seat in the rear is kind of raised, and uh, it's not real conducive to car seats. And having a uh, rear-facing car seat behind a seat was just not going to happen. It was impossible. Whoever that passenger would be, knees up in their chest through the dash. And so we had to make a decision. Okay, are we going to go for a minivan or are we going to go for something else? <laughs> and she was starting to lean towards a minivan. I really wanted to get something bigger that could, that could tow my Jeep because we the multiple moves with the Army, you know. Oh, yeah. My Jeep, yeah, that makes sense. It's not a real highway-friendly vehicle. I mean, I can drive it on the highway, but a cross-country trip is not going to be real fun. Right. So I uh, got her in a, a Chevy Suburban and a test drive. And she said, you know what? I really like this. This is really comfortable. I said, sweet. This V8 will pull the Jeep on a trailer, no problem. <laughs> she goes, yeah, so, that, that was my first concern. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> I don't care about that. I can put a lot of stuff in the back. A lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah those Suburbans yeah. are great from that, especially with the family. Yep, so it's been great. Uh, I've got a Suburban for my wife, and it'll tow the Jeep across country, which it's done a couple times. And uh, way I, could, I always know I've got a, a, a vehicle to come rescue the Jeep that should it break down, which hasn't happened yet. There was one time we were getting ready to go to Korea and had to put it in storage, so my sister-in-law was going to take care of it. So we drove from like Richmond, Virginia to halfway between there and Nashville. And as I was backing the Jeep off the trailer, the transmission just totally took a dump. And I said, great, here I'm in the middle of nowhere with a Jeep with no transmission. And my sister-in-law was going to drive it back to Nashville and take care of it for the three years. So I ended up having to run the winch cable back up to the front of the trailer and self-recover itself. Drive, you know, just on a, you know, minutes decision to say, all right, we're just going to drive the west way to Nashville, and uh, kicked it off the trailer in front of full wheel parts there, in uh, I think Franklin, Tennessee, and they took care of everything. What did it turn out to be? Uh, the master cylinder. Oh, okay. So. So you just couldn't get it. Uh, get it. It was un- where you could yeah, shift. Yeah, it was undrivable. Right. I I got it into. First gear, while it was not on, then I would, you know, leave the clutch out and just starter, use a starter and jockey it back up onto the trailer as much as I could. And I said, you know what? I've got the winch. I might as well just use it. Sure. There's been lots of adventures with that Jeep. <laughs> well, the neat thing is, is that you can, uh, you can usually work out a way to uh, get down the road or, or, like you said, recover itself. It's nice having that ability. And uh, it's kind of funny, uh, I was uh, uh, on Facebook, XJ Talk on Facebook, somebody, uh, one of the uh, XJ Talk members, posted uh, something from uh, Morris 4x4. It's a, uh, an image, uh, a satellite image of a hurricane approaching Florida, which is, is kind of what's in, in process right now. Yeah. It's not the exact image that is currently going on, but it's similar to what's happening currently. 
and it said uh, uh, something along the lines of uh, uh, Prius owners are uh, wishing they had Jeeps right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's and, perfect for those post-apocalyptic <laughs> seasons, you know. Yeah, Gotta I, have a Jeep. I mean, it's great to have the gas mileage, and it's uh, it's great to be, you know, one of the cool kids with uh, the the low vehicles. But boy, I tell you what, whenever uh, the fan is getting ready to be hit, it's nice to have something that's going to uh, uh, be able to get you from point A to point B in, in most any situation. And uh, well, I mean, that's that's the reason why we. Uh, well, the reason why I built up the the ninety eight in the first place was because of hurricanes here uh, on the Gulf Coast. If if not everybody's familiar, I'm in uh, located in the Houston area, so we uh, um, we prefer hurricanes here over earthquakes because we have warning, but still it can get pretty uh, pretty ugly uh, given the uh, uh, the severity of the hurricane. Yeah, well, right now I'm living in uh, northern New York, central New York. It's about an hour and a half north of Syracuse, and we get the, uh, this last winter wasn't so bad, but I've only been living there for seven months, but when they do get snow, like the lake effect snow just comes out of nowhere and just slams everybody, and they get, they measure, they measure the snow in feet instead of inches, and uh, a few times this last winter when we did get slammed with snow, it was great. It was like a playground, nobody driving around except for me, and I just go <laughs> blasting through snow banks having a blast. So, uh, how was it with the lockers? Uh, well, since they're ox lockers, I can disengage them any time. So, when I'm driving on ice, just open differentials and it's no issues. Um, but then when things get muddy and sloppy during the spring, I can uh, engage them and climb out of the soup and the, the ruts with no problems. So, what do the New Yorkers think of the uh, the lifted? Uh, oh, actually, eight inch lift is pretty substantial, and the the thirty five inch tires. What do they think about all that? Well, it's funny. You know, there's down in Syracuse. There's the uh, CNY Jeep dot uh, org group, and I I went foiling with them a couple times. I go down to their club meetings when I get a chance. They're usually during the week, and I have a hard time getting down there for uh, getting off of work on time. Um, but they're a great Jeep group. There's a couple of them that are running Cherokees. Most of them are Wranglers. But I fit right in with those guys. I guess they kind of give me a hard time. But then when I crawl through the obstacles with no trouble, the ones that they're having a really hard time with, the laughing stops. <laughs> of course. Yeah, then the, uh, uh, the name calling begins, at least under their breath. Yeah. But then <laughs> right in Watertown, the nearest town, they've got a truck club. It's not a Jeep-specific group. And I'm actually one of the smaller guys. They're mostly running full-size pickups. Most of them are diesels, and they've got big exhaust stacks coming out of the bed, running 38s and larger tires. So the first trail run in the spring I did with them, I didn't know really what I was getting into. But they were going through water that was about three, three and a half feet deep. And uh, that was coming up to the door <laughs> on my on my Jeep. And, I thought, well, I got my four-year-old daughter in the back, and she loves going off-roading. And I just go chugging through the deep mud and water, no problems, and watching them slide off because they've just got lots of lift without the traction aids they need and not the same kind of articulation. So these deep ruts, I've got tons of flex. I can crawl through it, maintain traction, and they're dragging their, their beds and bumpers across everything getting hung up. Right. 
Oh. It was funny. I, I watched the one truck in front of me had his exhaust stack stick up past the top of his cab by about two feet, three feet. And he had to stop, get out, climb up on the roof with his chainsaw and cut down the tree branches just so he could get past. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the Jeep is a, a, a very much a, a different type of vehicle than the uh, the full-size pickups. You know, we I see those uh, those land yachts uh, driving around here <laughs> all the time, and I love a full-size truck. The The first four-wheel drive I had was an 83 Chevy. I had uh, I went with a four inch lift because I didn't like the uh, the the six inches uh, six inch lifts that were very common back then. It, it was a lot of uh, room between the top of the wheel and the uh, the fender. Yeah. So uh, I went with a four inch lift and thirty three inch tires, and uh, I'm sorry, thirty six and a half inch tires, and uh, it was a blast. I just uh, I miss being up that high and driving around. It was uh, it was great. You did have to watch out for small vehicles though, because. Uh, <laughs> you might run over one yeah that was the reason i didn't take my jeep to korea actually I and mean, i didn't take the suburban because i knew i'd be just hard pressed to get through the narrow streets and everything but i didn't take the, the jeep either because i'd run over a, a dude on a moped and not even know it yep and it's it's it, it, it can be humorous when you say that but it really literally can happen because you get high enough oh, up yeah. in the air you can't see really what's going on on the other side. I remember driving my truck around. It was, uh, I would make a joke about, you know, I didn't see that car that was there. Uh, yeah, I had the large mirrors on the side of the, the Chevy truck. And even with that, it was difficult to, to see. Uh, I managed to keep off of people, but uh, it, uh, it it really, you really have to be, it's it's a different world when you, when you start getting up that high. Oh, yeah. And you got to consider how you're driving. Because I don't have sway bars on either the front or the rear, but it's got a stiff enough uh, spring rate that you know as long as you slow down in the corners enough, you really don't feel like you're gonna flip over. Either that, or I've just become accustomed to it. I, I no longer have that same pucker factor that most normal human beings have. Yeah, it's a much different feeling. I have a tendency to drive mine like a race car with the uh, with the custom bumpers, and now with the uh, the sliders and the um, um, the frame stiffeners. I've got a lot of weight down low, and yeah. uh, I can make uh, make turns pretty uh, pretty good. I'm a I'm a low fast kind of guy, and that's the reason why I got into SUVs, trucks, and SUVs to start with. It's just so <laughs> I would have an excuse to not drive fast. It, uh, it's a lot of fun, but so yeah. uh, uh, whenever I if I forget to connect the uh, the quick disconnects back up, and I start making those turns, I notice it. It's not earth shattering it's not like a like a death wobble or anything it, it's just like hey that feels kind of strange went, oh i forgot to hook up the disc <laughs> the sway yeah, bar that's what it was <laughs> yeah, what's going on? i got a flat what's going on you know so yeah. yeah i understand i've heard that on the on the site where people they just don't run the sway bar at all and of course mine only came with a front sway bar so uh it's uh it's quite a quite capable road vehicle with uh with just the the front sway bar well, yeah, I don't know what the rear sway bar does anyways. It's so skinny, the, the stock one. It just serves virtually no purpose, you know. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, recently uh, put a lift on the uh, the wife's TJ, and it's got a uh, uh, it's got one on there. So I don't know if it's a good thing to have it or not, but, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it alone, and then uh, as I learn about the uh, the Wranglers, I may do more to it. 
Well, Dan, we've go. come to the, the magical 30-minute uh, mark, and I've been doing my uh, level best to uh, to get into the 30-minute uh, the uh, limitation. So okay. <laughs> we, can, we can wrap this up, and you can stop uh, tearing up all the minutes on your, uh, on your cell phone. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, I guess it just really depends on the plan. So uh, when, when, you, when are you going to have an, another uh, 4x4 podcast uh, episode? Well, it's a very good question. Uh, I guess it would depend on how the recording with this current setup that I have it seems to come out okay. You know, I've got a couple interviews lined up. I uh, just got to be able to get them on. Lately, I've been having a lot of Overland uh, off-roaders on the, on the podcast. And uh, you know, I've got one lined up, uh, Lewis and Lacey from uh, Lost World Expeditions. They've just got the travel bug, and they've been traveling around through South America, Chile and Peru, and uh, they've just come back for a little sabbatical and refill the bank accounts. So I'd be doing an interview with them pretty soon. Um, Overland Gourmet, uh, Zach from uh, Phoenix, he's uh, an Overland traveler that does gourmet cooking. Actually, OverlandGourmet.com, he's got a whole store selling cooking gear Lots of great things going on. Uh, hopefully, if I can work things out right with my boss, I'll be able to escape the Mojave for a little bit for the uh, Southern California Mountain Rendezvous. Uh, got lots of things going on, but my, my military professional duties kind of limit things. So, worst case, it'll be probably the end of October <laughs> by gotcha. the time I get another episode out. Gotcha. Well. Uh, as long as you keep them coming, uh, because uh, I've started listening, and you know I don't want to, have to sit around and, and wait for, you know, the summer reruns, and then wait for the fall yeah. schedule and all that stuff that they do. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think we've got at least twenty episodes out of the four by four podcast, so you can you might as well skip the first one. That one was pretty bad. Oh, they um, always are. They always are. <laughs> but they're, but they're never as bad as you think. Yeah, it was good. It got things started, and actually, on one of the early podcasts. I did an interview with uh, Jim Taylor. He is uh, the trail boss at the Brazos Valley Off-Road Ranch outside Bryan, Texas. So I know that's a little bit of a drive from you know Houston, your area. But if you ever get a chance to go up there, I'd definitely give Jim Taylor a call. Uh, awesome trails down there. Yeah, real, real quick question. How's your wife with uh, doing the off-road thing? You know, she is a – she loves adventure traveling. Um, when we've – just before we started dating, I think it may have been when I asked her out, I said, you know what you're getting into, right? Because anytime you hang out with me, you're bound to be involved in some sort of adventure, whether it be planned or unplanned. <laughs> she said, no, I think I can handle it. I said, well, you say that now. But uh, we just had our 10-year anniversary this last weekend, and it's been a wild adventure the whole time. Oh, that's she right. Loves it. That's right. I take that back because I did listen to an interview where you were talking about teaching your wife how to drive off road, and she, so she does go off road. The reason why I asked that is, is my wife doesn't want to have any part of going oh. off road. I went up a, a steep embankment uh, once before the the jeep was lifted and everything, and my wife almost bailed out. I, I think she got. <laughs> I think she said eject twice before I got it leveled out. You know, the third eject, then the 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 uh, the top would have got off and she would have been gone. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, one of the very early times in a uh, relationship with my wife, we uh, went off roading by ourselves in February <laughs> in Southwest Idaho, which 
you know, this is like the strikes are piling up against us. Yeah. And eventually we got high centers and it was probably well below freezing. The frame was literally frozen to the ground. And there was no hope of getting that vehicle recovered. Uh, fortunately, I always have my my bug out bag, so I had my sleeping bag, and some food, and blankets, and all the emergency stuff in the back end of the jeep. So it was ready. So we had a relatively uh, comfortable night, despite the freezing temperatures and blowing wind, and the jeep that was not quite level. Uh, but ever since then, it's just been one adventure after another. So just just for clarification, in down in Houston, where we don't have weather like that. Uh, and we and we go out with a girl. We run out of gas, but, <laughs> but I guess in, in Idaho, what you do is you high center the vehicle and sleep overnight. That's right. You wait for uh, <laughs> daytime to come around and reassess the situation. <laughs> we were thoroughly stuck. There was no doubt about that. Oh yeah, I have no doubt uh, a skilled driver can stick a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. When I get stuck, it is really, really stuck. Well, great, Dan. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, we're going to have to get you on uh, again because uh, I can tell there's some uh, there's some more stories that you can tell. Is there anything you want to uh, tell our listeners before we wrap it up? Well, no, I just encourage everybody to go uh, check out the 4x4podcast.com and check out all the episodes. You can find it in iTunes. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, I think it's facebook.com slash the 4x4podcast. Nice and easy. Uh, I think we're on Twitter and let's see also Google plus, you know, there's not a whole lot of interaction there just because it's, it's kind of, a, it's Google plus Google plus <laughs> is still kind of a, a morphine and developing creature. It's because there wasn't enough Facebook, you know, <laughs> they yeah. had to come up with something else. I, I was, really like Google plus, but it's still just kind of a, a developing community. Yeah, it really is. But lately, we've been doing the uh, the off-roading question of the day and the off-roading answer of the day, kind of summarize everybody's answers. Lots of good things. Talk about, you know, manual versus automatic, transmission. Uh, let's see. We also talked about, do you change your own oil? Kind of modification would you make today if you could? Lots of different things. You know, it's a new question every day and a lot of interaction on Twitter and especially Facebook. So lots of things to check out, you know. We don't have a forum for the 4x4 podcast or anything. It's just just a hobby for me, not a business. Uh, it'd be great if hobby could pay for itself, but you know that's not why I do it. I just enjoy talking about off-roading with folks. Yeah, that's great. Well, Dan, thanks a lot. And, uh, again, thanks for being a guest on the, on the show. It, uh, it'll help me fill another week before I have to scramble around and find uh, another guest. <laughs> but you well, know, but you know sure how that have, is. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You got all these people that you'd love to talk to but just lining up schedules sometimes pretty difficult you know if work just didn't get in the way yeah i always interrupt in real life (laughs) well thanks again dan all right we'll talk to you later my favorite site is xjtalk xjtalk xjtalk.com it's where you go when you're not off road